Welcome to 8 with 8, a podcast from Ohio State Support Team 8, where we share what's on our minds and what's in the research from the field of education. We're back with a new season we're calling Eight Great Literacy Learnings, and today we're diving deep into some of the most critical learning we've had in the last few years. SST8's Pam Kennedy and Kim Nagy will talk to Dr. Carol Tolman. She's one of the authors of LETTERS, L-E-T-R-S, which is an acronym that stands for Language Essentials for Teachers of Reading and Spelling. It's a dynamic and powerful professional learning series that has transformed the way that educators go about building new readers, as well as how they diagnose and intervene when students are struggling with their literacy skills. She's also written some great articles on this topic that we will link to in our show notes. Dr. Tolman has presented internationally and is passionate about the importance of empowering teachers with the knowledge necessary to impact change for all children, and that will definitely come through in this episode. Today, Dr. Tolman will help us understand what structured literacy is, and she'll share eight considerations for how we can use structured literacy to power up our instruction. Hello, I'm Pam Kennedy, State Support Team 8's Regional Early Literacy Specialist. And I'm Kim Nagy, State Support Team 8's Urban Literacy Specialist. So Pam and I could be the founding members of Dr. Carol Tolman's fan club. Thank you so much for joining us today, <laughs> Dr. Tolman. Oh, well, you're so very welcome, Kim and Pam. I'm so honored to be here. So it's right back at you. I'm your fan club as well. I love what you do in Ohio. And thank you for inviting me here. Thank you. So the educational world right now is a buzz with words, science of reading, structured literacy, the five components of reading. So for those that are new to the field or not yet familiar with the science, can you explain just what structured literacy is and why it's so important for us? Sure, I'd be happy to. So um, you are right. There are many terms that are out there um, that sometimes are confused or we use them in different ways um, than we have in the past. So it is important to first come back to what structured literacy really is. So when I think about a structured literacy approach, it is explicit, it is systematic, and it really teaches all components of language. So it focuses not just on, well, not just on word work, which some people think is, you know, may think that's what we're talking about, but all aspects of language. And when we think about that, I think of the phonological form of language, the orthographic form, the morphological, the semantic or the meaning, the syntax or the part of speech within which a word resides within a sentence, um, and also the discourse and pragmatic layers of language, which talk about well beyond an individual word or a phrase, but sentences and connected sentences. So it's very explicit, very systematic, and it talks about the whole range of what we need to know about language. Thank you. Um, those layers of language, so many people are aware of them now and the big ideas of reading that phonological awareness. You spoke about the phonics, vocabulary, fluency and comprehension. And um, we know that that's really the, the, the key to raising literacy achievement for each and every child in Ohio. And that is certainly our goal. Um, since this is the eight with eight podcast, would you mind sharing with us the eight most important things um, that we might need to know about these layers of literacy or the, um, the structured literacy? Okay, I'd be happy to. And as a matter of fact, you won't be surprised um, with some of the course PM nor Kim. Um, so my very first is teacher knowledge, right? 
So if I think about the importance of structured literacy, if we don't know what it is that structured literacy is and what needs to be taught, if we don't understand as an educator how the brain works, what happens with a good reader's brain and what breaks down when students don't read well and how to respond to children when they're making some mistakes, right? Responding to their response, um, then we aren't gonna be able to be successful with any approach, you know, not, and, and especially not with a structured literacy approach. So if you ask me for eight factors that would really influence structured literacy, my first one is teacher knowledge. So programs don't teach children, teachers teach children. That's, that's pretty much how I feel. Well, then we move to a second factor to me is that the teacher alone can't work in a silo. So the, the community and the structure within the school also needs to be well-informed. So that includes administrators and support personnel that, that make decisions like, well, scheduling, right? Like if we're going to do a structured literacy approach, how much time should we schedule within our early beginning reader's day for word work versus more of the higher level oral reading, read alouds or written expression work? Um, for instance, if I had an administrator, the information I would want them to know is I would want them to understand that about 79% of the variance in your ability to understand what you read is due to phonics in first grade. It's not due to comprehension, right? And strategy instruction. So that brings me to not only the importance of the administrator's knowledge, but my third factor that impacts structured literacy, which are the systems and structures that we put in place. So of course, administrators would drive that perhaps, but teachers also with their knowledge should have some input. So to me, the structures need to make sure that it's not just a 50-50 balance because that's easy or you know, a four, four square where kids are doing equal amounts of time in different, mm -hmm. in different little circles, but that we're really focusing on what it is that it takes to make sure kids master the skills within, within structured literacy. So there's some whole group, there's some small group, there's differentiated instruction, and they understand what needs to be done within each of those. Carolyn, so, I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned that differentiated instruction because it's not, you know, one size fits all and it's not even one center or one group for each. It's not, it's not balanced like that. It really is. It has to be differentiated for each child. Yeah, and I think sometimes, Pam, that gets a little convoluted. Sometimes people think, you know, and I used to too, really, I, I didn't grow up in sci the science of understanding reading and I taught. I taught for a long time, not understanding this knowledge. But for, for me, sometimes the misunderstanding is that we think everybody needs to learn differently. And really in truth, structured literacy and how the brain processes information for reading and for writing is the same. If you wanna be efficient, right, in your brain, what brains need to do as good readers and good writers is the same. But how we get there sometimes needs to be differentiated and tweaked maybe sometimes with more practice, more depth, um, and so on, which actually Pam and Kim would bring me to my fourth point out of our eight, which is I think it's really important to have strong communication protocols in place. So when we're thinking about a structured literacy system, one of the systems and settings I would put there, put in there would be a way in which a classroom teacher would communicate with interventionist or a coach who of course would communicate with our everyone or a special educator or a speech and language pathologist, which we need to let them out of the closet and into the classrooms, right? 
really okay. helps support we will children. be our next podcast will specifically be on speech and language pathologists and how they can help in the classroom oh fabulous fabulous so so whenever right like if i were an administrator walking and, and working with a teacher i would and i knew that a student in a classroom um, was receiving speech services i would want to be sure that they communicate together that the speech and language pathologist understands what's being asked of that child in the classroom and that the classroom teacher understands what's being addressed within the speech and language component. So that communication protocol is really important. It could be in writing, it could be in different meetings, um, you know, perhaps PLCs, uh, but that type of structure is really, really very important so that everything that a child does is reinforced and supported. So there's that. That co-plan to co-teach is so important in Ohio right now. Well, throughout our nation, obviously, but so big in Ohio right now. So thank you for mentioning that. Sure, sure. And I'll say that I've been, you know, a party to really weak, poor teaching, you know, where I have taken notes for the teacher, um, you know, my earlier, early parts of my career or um, been more of a, a secretarial kind of support. But I really mean co-planning. Right and and talking, coming together collectively um, around students' needs, conversing about their their um, information and what they need to know around structured literacy. You know, Wes Hoover talked about that with us as a community not long ago. That the power of having PLCs and communication protocols in place, it's the the strength of teacher knowledge. See, I'm back to number one again, right? Mm-hmm. With that knowledge, knowing what to talk about about children so that you can then make the best plan to make sure they're making the most efficient, effective um, progress possible. That's the power of this, really knowing what to do with whom, for how long, under what conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so ready for another another factor? Please share <laughs> yes. number five. <laughs> so, so what I've done, I don't know if you've noticed, I've gone from kind of big picture, now I'm drilling down smaller, smaller, smaller. So when we talk about teacher and administrative knowledge, and we go to systems and structures and communication protocols. Now I'm gonna go in the weeds, which I really love. So a scope and sense of skills is very important, right? So what structured literacy does is it teaches from the um, early, easier skills and builds upon that in order to make sure that students have a good foundation upon which to build as we move up. So you wouldn't teach word families before you know the individual letter sound combinations, right? Or the grapheme phoneme um, mm-hmm. combination. Um, so that scope and sequence of skills is helpful and you need a communication not or about this, not only in a classroom, but across classrooms too, right? What do you expect? So, and I'm immediately visualizing your hourglass of instruction as, you're, as you were talking about coming from the larger to the smaller and then speaking about the phonemes and the sounds and such, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think the bottom part, the orthography part, really speaks to that in the hourglass, Pam. So, um, you know, the idea that you don't go to syllable types or you don't go to larger chunks in the phonics and spelling realm until you have that individual. That's what the bottleneck is in the middle. Mm-hmm. Aware of the phoneme, you know a letter name, then you can put that together, that phoneme graphing correspondence, and then you start using those in combinations to read and to spell. Very good. Yeah. So a scope and sequence. The other, another, so this is number six, is that routines are really very important. So the scaffolded supports and routines that are embedded within the materials that teachers use are key for structured literacy. 
So um, I know we're often in situations, perhaps you both have been as well, where sometimes you can tell and, and work with teachers about best practices, but then they go back in their classrooms and their materials bring them in another direction, right? Or teach them something different. So when I think about materials that support structured literacy, we want routines that are very explicit, that are um, comfortable, comfortable for children, so that, and, and known for children. And if you're using a certain routine around a concept in the classroom, that same routine should be in small group rotations or out with a specialist, right? And you don't want a different sound spelling card in the classroom than you do, you know, that then you have in a special ed support system, which I see all the time and was guilty of doing myself, right? You know, many years ago. So those routines allow children to free up their cognitive desk space so they don't, they don't have to think about what am I being asked to do? Um, they really can just focus on what you're trying to teach within the structured literacy realm, right? So routines and supports and the materials. Yeah, that's really, really, I think important. So number seven, we're making some headway. <laughs> and I'm getting very excited. I'm so excited to be here. But um, for, for number seven, I thought about, okay, so we have teacher knowledge, we have administrators, we have systems in place. We understand and communicate with each other. We know what needs to happen for whom, under what conditions, but we need to check ourselves, right? Because we could be teaching our hearts out and, we, and our children aren't learning what it is that we're teaching. So assessment protocols for structured literacy are also very important. Mm -hmm. So we wanna be sure, right? That is what we are teaching within a structured literacy framework being learned by our children. You know, And then those important questions, when we both do a screening, and we do progress monitoring, help us know if we're being impactful. Mm -hmm. So we can, we can spout out structured literacy all we want, but at the end of the day, if students aren't learning it, that's not gonna be a, a helpful approach either. Mm -hmm. Can you, um, Dr. Tolman, will you talk a little bit more about the progress monitoring? And the oh, sure. Mm -hmm, I, sure. I noticed that you put the instruction first and we so often hear that, you know, I, this is the day that I progress monitor, or this is the time. and you don't learn by monitoring progress, you learn by instruction or the students learn by your, you know, good instruction. So if you don't mind just sharing your thoughts on that. Sure, sure. Well, there are consistent protocols in certain, you know, assessment protocols that put, put progress monitoring in place that we use for all children that are a little more formalized. Um, you know, like maybe we're talking about AIMSWeb or Dibbles or Acadians, for instance, those types of, of um, materials. But I want to suggest, too, that within a structured literacy approach, we can use a, an informal diagnostic approach to how students are doing in a progress monitoring format every day, all the time. So if I ask, for instance, my students to spell something that I have just taught and they can't spell it, that's, that's to me, a little progress monitoring um, mm -hmm. information, right, that I'm going to take note of or make note of and to be sure that I revisit and clarify that information for that child. So it's always, you know, Pat Lindemood way back in the day, I miss her desperately. She was wonderful. And she taught me about responding to the response. That was her, her little saying, right? So when a child responds to your instruction, it's how, you know, the, the response they give you is how you then think about responding back to them. Everything that a child does, what they say, what they are you know, thinking what they read, how they read and how they write are all responses that are ripe information for us 
to determine how they're doing progress-wise. Um, so to me, it's a continual feedback and loop. It's kind of why, um, I mean, we know this from studying um, how we learn, right? That that continual feedback loop of reading a little something, taking a little quiz on it. And did I really understand that? And I mean, at first with, with um, Dr. Kilpatrick's text, he did a beautiful job of that. Here's some content, here's a little quiz. Did you get it? And if you mm -hmm. didn't get it, then it allows you, right? To circle back around and go back into the text and learn that a little bit differently. We have the same thing in letters with check for understanding. So did you really understand the content, right? That we just went through. And I feel the same way about students. So that, that, that progress monitoring or the response to the response and having protocols in place to be thinking with that, with that in mind, I think is really very, very powerful. Bigger bang for your buck. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, that was number seven, PM. I know. <laughs> Drum roll for eight. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to be surprised or disappointed, but did I mention to you that I think teacher knowledge is important? I did it again. That's my eighth. <laughs> oh, but it's so true. And that's what letters has taught us here up in eight with all of our units we're, we're covering. It's that teacher knowledge and that that coming together to build that knowledge and that efficacy once they've worked through it and shared those, you know, the check for understandings and and the wonderful program that you've put together with that. I we see that knowledge and how important it is. Yeah, well, I guess if you're a community and you understand how students learn and what happens when they don't and how to respond to that, that whole teacher knowledge is just key. And you can't teach structured literacy if you don't know um, all of these basic skills, you know, all the basic components of how, what does explicit mean, right? Does that mean that the teacher takes control? Well, yes, it does, right? And then it means that gradually you release that control, of course, to the children. But at first, you don't ask them, what do you think this letter is going to represent? What sound do you think? You tell them, this is the letter name. Tell me, what's the letter name? This is S. Say that, that letter name with me, S, right? Mm -hmm. You are telling them directly and then they can give that back to you kind of, kind of in a reciprocity way. But, but that teacher knowledge of how to scaffold and, and provide some supports for students all along the way with the structured literacy key. So I, you know, I hemmed and I hawed and I said, I know you're talking about eight items, <laughs> but I felt that teacher knowledge was so important. I just start and stop with that one. So that's still my eighth. Oh, definitely. Thank you so much for sharing those eight tips with us. That's really going to help teachers in our area really understand where they need to be and what they need to do as they start journeying into that structured literacy. Um, so we all know that we love a good success story. So do you have any success stories that you would like to share with us and with our region today? Oh my gosh. Oh God. Yeah. There's, those are great. You're right, Kim. Well, um, would, I could share an individual story. I could share a school story. I could share a state story. Um, actually our country is doing a really nice job right now, um, in embracing the science, but this is what I would say. I'm going to drill down. So we're quarantined, right? I used to fly all over the world, right? And spout out all this information and just, just adore what we were able to do. However, when I got grounded, if you will, and I'm standing in this little spot in my study room, <laughs> uh, I haven't left here for over a year and a half, but, um, but nonetheless here, um, I came across a parent who reached out to me 
and said, you know, my son can't do the homework. They're learning virtually and, and he can't do the homework. So I said, okay, well, let me just meet him, you know, and I gave him a spelling inventory. I did a little, you know, little digging and a little analysis and I could figure out very clearly what was happening. So um, I decided to see him and I decided virtually never met this boy. He's a fifth grader and he was reading probably CDC words at best. Right. Ooh. And he was really kind of struggling with some of his vowel phonemes. He was having trouble with nasals, but you could really pinpoint what he was having trouble with by his, you know, by his reading and by his spelling. So I met with him virtually for about three months and he went from crying. The first time I met him, I asked him to read a sentence and he sobbed like, I can't do this. It's so embarrassing till maybe three months later, he and I were reading Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Oh, that's so quick. <laughs> I mean, it was so fast. I'm like, really? Like, I know this, I know this information is powerful, right? You know, but oh my gosh, you know, in the virtual world, you know, still yet again, we could certainly make, make, um, you know, great changes in, in, in um, student knowledge and, and improvement. And it really was because I was responding to what he was showing me. He was, he only had trouble with a few phonemes. So I helped him with those phonemes, right? He only had trouble with, a, with, we had trouble with quite a few graphemes. So we had to reteach that whole system. And the more that we got involved with it, the more persistent he was in sticking with it and excited to see his progress. So yeah, he's I don't see him any longer, but it was only maybe three, four months max. Um, and he's super proud of himself and um, I'm super proud of him. And that's a little microcosm of some of the bigger pieces that we've done at the school, district, state and country levels. So it's great. And you used no wand or cast no spells or, you know, Harry Potter wasn't there with his magic potions. That was just teacher knowledge and relying on the science. It was science. It was it was structured literacy. It was systematic. It was it was sequential. It was just good instruction. Yeah. Dr. Tolman, thank you so much. You've been so wonderful with your time and your knowledge and in Ohio, we've got such a large group of our educators um, that are in districts that are participating in the letters professional development that we are just looking for great things here. Um, mm -hmm. We're honored that you could join us to share your passion for literacy. I'm, I'm, I'm just so happy to see you and chat with you again. Well, I'm so very happy to see you both here and chat with you as well. And you can tell the excitement because my dog, Toady, is also trying to join in in the background too. Um, you, you perhaps can. And what I want to say to all of Ohio teachers who are engaged with either letters or just learning this content knowledge, thank you for taking that dive, that important deep dive into trying to understand best practices. Be kind to yourself. This information takes a long time to roll out. Um, you know, and stay in that learning a little bit longer, right? Like think and, and um, really engage in the material deeply and um, you'll see some great results, just like my fifth grader. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Tolman. And we will be watching, we're gonna, um, Kim, why don't you say, mm -hmm. tell us where we can find some other Yes, resources. so um, if you like today's episode, um, please join us at our next Regional Literacy Leaders Network session. And we'll talk with others in the field about how we can depend on that science that Dr. Tolman talked about and those tips that she shared as well. And to help us reach each and every child in our state by raising their literacy achievement and changing their lives. So you can register for those next sessions at our website at ssta.org. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Ohio SSTA.
And we'll be sure to put our resources for today and some on Dr. Um, Carol Tolman on our website. Thank you all very much. And that's it for another episode of 8 with 8. Thank you again to Dr. Carol Tolman for providing so much great information in such a brief amount of time, including a truly magical success story. Dr. Tolman drilled down to eight critical considerations for powering up structured literacy instruction. Just to recap those eight great considerations, here's what she shared. Number one, teacher knowledge. Teachers need to understand how brains learn to read, how learning can often break down and have effective responses to those common challenges. Number two, administrators also need to have some of that knowledge so that they can support the structured literacy approach. Number three, educational systems and structures also need to be built to support structured literacy, including building schedules and prioritizing the most critical skills that students need each year, as well as the ability to differentiate. Number four, strong communication protocols among educators who collaborate to support literacy development. Number five, having a scope and sequence of skills for children to grow in based in what we know about how the brain learns to read. Number six, familiar explicit instructional routines and scaffolded supports that can help free up some of the brain space so students can just focus on their new learning. Number seven, assessment protocols to confirm that what we're teaching through structured literacy is in fact being learned. And one more time, teacher knowledge and skill. Number one and number eight, bookending these considerations because it's just that important. There's so much to know about how to teach reading, and that is why we're devoting another podcast season to it. Speaking of, as Kim mentioned, be sure to catch our next episode of Eight with Eight, in which we'll focus on leveraging the power of speech language pathologists and their expertise in teaching reading. See you soon.